This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Protecting your nitrogen is smart. And a nitrogen granule with a polymer coating that releases in response to conditions that promote plant growth? Well, that's me. I'm the environmentally smart nitrogen granule that gives the nutrition crops need when they need it, reducing nitrogen loss and increasing nutrient availability. Imagine feeding me to your fields. Me. Now, wait a minute. Hey, can I rethink this? ESN Environmentally Smart Nitrogen Fertilizer. Learn more at smartnitrogen.com. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. My name is Stephanie Crowley. I'm the Editorial Director, and today I'm excited to chat with Ian Epp from the Canola Council of Canada. Welcome to the podcast, Ian. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Excited to chat. And um, of course, with you being from the Canola Council, we are going to be talking about canola today. Uh, That shouldn't surprise anybody, but uh, for our listeners who aren't really familiar with what you do, um, please go ahead and uh, introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background and what you're currently uh, doing at the Council. So I am an agronomy specialist for the Canola Council of Canada. There's There's a number of us spread throughout the prairies. Uh, so we are agronomists, and so we work as, as part of the agronomy team. We do all things agronomy, working with growers, with life science companies, with industry on production issues, production, canola, things we're seeing in the field, mm-hmm. uh, helping agronomists and farmers kind of across the prairies. Uh, because there's only a few of us, we kind of specialize a little bit. So my uh, areas of specialty are sustainability, and then uh, MRLs are the pesticide lead as well. So looking at kind of that MRL interaction and that uh, getting our crop ready, or once it leaves the farm gates on from a pesticide front, how do things look? What do we need to do? What do we need to be aware of? So those are, that's what keeps me busy. Um, I guess I've been with council for what, five or six years, but grew up on a farm in Saskatchewan and actually was fortunate uh, a couple of years ago to be able to move back to the farm. So when I'm not uh, working for the Canola Council, I get to do a little bit of uh, farming and wear my farmer hat as well, which is, it's a nice blend of doing a bit of both, seeing it from the eyes of industry or agronomists or that kind of front, and then uh, making decisions on the farm as well. Yeah, that's a really unique perspective because I think, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of folks that we speak to are kind of doing one or the other. So it's nice that you've got a hand in, in both uh, the practical and the behind the scenes kind of side of, of uh, canola production. So it, keep, okay. it keeps me very busy. I can imagine. Yeah. So um, so this will also add some really great insight, knowing that you are you do farm actively as well, you know, on how canola harvest is going on the prairie. So it's currently as we're recording this, it's the end of August. Our listeners won't be hearing this for a little bit, but, uh, you know, things will things can change really quickly in the matter of a couple of weeks. Um, what are you seeing right now? And you're in Saskatchewan. So what are you seeing specifically there in terms of canola and how is harvest looking? Um, do you have any insights on kind of progress or even yield? Um, or just you know some uh, some estimations that you can make when you look into yeah, it all. It, it's very early days for canola harvest. Some mm-hmm. canolas come off, but I think we're still below five percent or something across the prairie. Like it's really early days. Um, mm-hmm. Early yields have been average to below average. But mm-hmm. that being said, I wouldn't put much stock in that. Uh, the first canola to come off is quite often you know pockets that maybe missed the rain or agronomically something went wrong. Generally, I would say farmers start, the poorest canola comes off first. It ripens early because something wasn't quite optimized there, whether it was just the weather or something. So Mm -hmm. the best canola generally is the latest. So uh, really not so much. uh, I don't, I haven't heard of too many surprises. The canola that's coming off early, 
didn't look amazing maybe, or, you know, crops in the area didn't get the rain. They didn't look amazing. So mm -hmm. nothing too surprising there. Otherwise, agronomically, we're pretty, we're all like rolling fully into harvest mode. I would, I would suggest, you know, there's still, you hear a little bit of growers running about late diamondback moss or a few mm -hmm. of these insect type issues, but for the most part, that's in the rear view mirror. There's always the little pockets maybe, uh, and there's quite a bit of variability from Southern Alberta up into, you know, the Peace or into parts of Manitoba that are pretty late this year. So there is some crops mm -hmm. still, you know, the, the range of crop staging this year is I think wider than usual, just with how the season has gone with some dry, wet, the rain, how the whole season's kind of progressed. But other than that, you know, it's a prime time to be looking for disease. And even into September, I think that's probably the biggest focus agronomically right now, outside of, you know, harvesting and, you know, we're going to talk about storage, but uh, yeah. black, great time to be looking for black leg in the next couple of weeks for black leg sclerotinia. You can't do anything about these club roots. You can't do anything about these diseases right now, but great to note that, you know, Hey, I did a great job of managing on this fields or, Oh, it's creep, you know, something like black leg is creeping up. I got to think mm -hmm. about that for next year. So we don't have this problem again, or yeah. that record keeping this time of year, even though we get so focused on the combine is key for making decisions into next year. Yeah, it's so true. We've chatted about that um, every August. It seems like the the idea of you know keeping your notes together, keeping your data all compiled into one place, and making sure that uh, you're setting yourself up to be as successful as possible for next year. Um, and great points about uh, being on the lookout for diseases this time of year as well. Um, like you say, probably not too much that can be done about it, but it's still good to know kind of you know the um, the results of the work that you've put into to prevent those diseases if if that worked out for you this year or not. So. Well, I'm doing a good job of scouting. It's a lot of work in good looking canola. If you have to walk through chest high canola, I don't know, I, I get tired pretty quick, but as growers are swathing or uh, pre-harvesting, desiccating their canola, it's a great time. You're in all the parts of the field. Mm -hmm. Stop every hour or two when you're doing whatever you're doing, every few little few acres and, you know, quickly pull, step out, you know, stretch your legs, pull a few plants, check, keep going. That's the easiest time to do a good job of scouting as well. Great tips. Thanks, Ian. So let's look ahead a little bit to post-harvest. I know it's kind of uh, always something that's going to be in mind, but not necessarily the most important thing right now, uh, but it will be coming up really soon. Um, and I want to talk a little bit more about storage today and keeping your crop ready for market. So we've talked about keep it clean. We've heard about keep it clean. Um, and that's kind of what I want to focus this uh, conversation on. Um, and I know that uh, you'll have some insight on this too, and just making sure that your crop is ready for harvest. Um, and, and you kind of already went into a little bit, there are five steps that keep it clean kind of recommends, um, you know, in order to keep your uh, crops uh, looking well going into the bin. Can you chat about those steps a little bit? And, you know, again, a few of them maybe relate to the growing season, but uh, still important to remember. Yeah, I'll kind of give a little bit of a, a harvest spin on them, perhaps. Uh, mm -hmm. The first one is uh, tip number one is use acceptable pesticides. So what that means this time of year is mostly desiccating pre-harvesting products and insecticides that's kind of what we have left on the options that we might have to use or are planning to use mm -hmm. um so you know timing them correctly we need to make sure we're getting them on the right time there's you know something like glyphosate's under a lot of scrutiny if you apply too early we're going to have residue issues mrl mm -hmm. issues we have mrls in place for proper application and you know that sounds easy, but we get to fields where something has happened. Crops are really stagey. So we're talking about staging that least mature, that greenest part of your field. Um, that's, and that's tough in some cases when we have variable fields, but that's what we're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. That's the first one with the acceptable pesticides. The other angle would be spray to swath calculator. So we want mm -hmm. to, um, 
you know, different products have different, pre especially on the insecticides. It's more of an insecticide uh, issue. Some of them, you know, they might have two products that kill the same bug that's in your field. You've hit an economic threshold. You got to pull the trigger on an insecticide. One might have a 21 day between application and swathing or harvesting. And one might have seven days or one day, depending mm -hmm. on what product. There's a big variance there. So mm -hmm. while you're, uh, you know, you have an insecticide problem or an insect problem, you need to do something. Just be aware that there's a number of products that overlap on efficacy agronomically, but from a spray to swath or a residue issue, one, you might only be have one or two products left if you're really, really close to harvest. So just something to keep in mind. If you need information, the Keep It Clean website has a spray to swath calculator. So you plug in what you're looking for. It'll give you the range of products. They're sweet, they're, uh, you can also go to the crop protection guide, but this information is widely available. Just something to keep in mind outside mm -hmm. of, you know, does this product work on the insect that I'm targeting in my field? And mm -hmm. especially insects, you know, we don't deal with late season insects every year. So sometimes it might've been a number of years since the growers had to make that decision. It's one of those extra things that sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, but for sure, you have to keep that in mind. Uh, number tip number two, very similar is read and follow the label. So there is other, uh, you know, we, we talked about staging a little bit. We talked about spray to swath, but there's a few other tips and, and rules and regulations around these pesticides. We make sure we follow on label. All the work that crop commodity groups do or the canola council does, when I look, when I look at MRLs, uh, when I look at export ready canola, it's based on growers following the label, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of the criteria. That's what, when we do residue testing, it's based on following the label, the right rate, the right timing, all of those kind of steps. Right. So again, you know, if we're, if we're offside on that or something has happened now, we might not have the right MRLs in place or we're not sure. Uh, and residue testing is very cheap. All of our exporting countries do a lot of that. Um, and, you know, Canada has got a really good reputation on really good high quality products, but we got to make sure we uh, follow the label. Enhanced protection from early season flea beetles and cutworms. Leading protection from seedling disease complex and blackleg. Win the start with Corteva Canola Seed Treatments. Ask your local seed supplier. Managing disease pressure. I guess we talked about this a little bit briefly. We can't manage it at this point, but we really want to be on top of it for next year if we have a problem. Uh, this year, I know there's pockets where there's a lot of sclerotinia. Sclerotinia remains the number one yield robber in canola in Western Canada. Mm -hmm. It takes that amazing looking crop and turns it into a, an okay crop or just a little above average. You know, it, take, it really takes the yield out of those heavy crops. So yeah. tough one to manage, but something to keep on a mind of, you know, whatever your management strategy is, is it working well? Now's the time to assess. Did I make the right call? Did I not make the right call? Uh, Blackleg is another one. It can creep up on you. Uh, a lot of variability field to field. So just something to keep in mind. There's a lot of options and ways to manage blackleg. But now again, it's that time to say, is my blackleg management program working? Do I need to look for a different variety? Do I need to change mm -hmm. my rotation? You might be good, but until we check, we're not sure. And clubroot is being very similar. Just if, you, if, you, uh, if you're not looking, you should be looking for it. And this is the time where the galls are really easy. It's easy to find and, you know, make sure we're growing a clubroot resistant variety. Uh, tip number four gets into more of this uh, storage or harvest type stuff. So storing your grain properly. Um, canola storage is, can be a little trickier than some of the other crops. So in canola, it's really key to get that grain dry. So 8% moisture or somewhere in that range mm -hmm. and below 15 degrees. It might take a little while. Um, thinking of the early harvest and what conditions we have now, the canola that's come off now has probably come off probably dry. We've had some fairly dry conditions, but hot. Mm -hmm. so even though your canola might be 8% moisture, if it's coming off at 28 or 30 degrees, which has been almost every day for the last week, right. especially that canola that comes off in the middle of the afternoon, it's hot. You might want, you need to be conditioning it, cooling it down, checking it regularly. Those first kind of six weeks after canola hits the bin, there's some seed respiration. So 
you want to be actively monitoring those bins fairly quickly. I think this is one of those things that, again, gets lost in the shuffle. The first canola comes in, we throw it in the bin, and we keep harvesting. And we're busy. Harvest stretches out. And we yeah. kind of forget that by the time we wrap up harvest, some of that canola's been in a bin for a month or six weeks or something. And then right. yeah. every once in a while, that early hot canola can give us some grief. So making sure that the moisture is good and we condition it, cool it off, get it somewhere into that 15 degrees for long-term storage, but at least get it below 20 degrees for you know, peace of mind till after harvest is really an important one. Um, you know, we have less bug issues if it's cool and dry. Yeah. Um, you know, just all of these issues. We have less storage issues, heating issues, any of those concerns. So whether that's turning a bin, double checking, but mm -hmm. regular monitoring solves a lot of these issues before they kind of balloon up on us. Uh, and then tip number five is deliver what you declare. So there's all sorts of uh, eligibility when you go to deliver your grain. Uh, we just want to make sure that we're aware of that. What's in those, uh, what's in those affidavits, what is, what's in those things you're signing and that you can actually say, yeah, I, I applied this product, but I applied it correctly. No, mm -hmm. I didn't apply this one. Your grain buyers are really good to help you through the process, but make sure that, you know, that good record keeping is just, you can, you know, look back and no, we didn't apply that product or no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. this, we check all the boxes here. That record keeping is probably the biggest thing just to keep in mind, you know, you spray something in at the end of May, and then come November, December, somebody's asking you about it. And that's a long time ago. A lot of things yeah, have happened. A lot then. of things have happened in between that time, for sure. Exactly. So, yeah, that good record keeping. And now, or make sure when you, uh, you know, clean up the notes that are in the sprayer, however you keep your records, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. But did you have that? So when you go to make your declaration, all is well. Mm -hmm. So those are kind of the five overall kind of general tips that we have. Um, you know, if we can keep follow those kind of, keep those in the back of mind, follow those. Then we have export ready canola. We go to sell our grain. It's a good, high quality product. Awesome. Excellent tips. And thanks for uh, running through those with us. Um, let's, like I said earlier, you know, a lot of those are decisions and, and things that need to be made earlier on in the season, like you mentioned, but looking ahead a little bit more to the proper storage. Um, can you share any general, you know, advice for producers to really help keep their crops in top quality. Um, and you've already, you know, gone into that a little bit in terms of, um, uh, you know, temperature and, and how dry and moisture levels and things like that, but what should be done kind of prior to storing your, your grain and what are factors to consider once that crop is in the bin, what do you really need to watch for? Yeah. So step one for preparing for the bit or preparing for canola harvest or getting your bins ready is we want them nice and clean. Mm -hmm. Anything left over from last year, whether it's a little bit of grain that got hung up somewhere or some, you know, sat all summer now, and maybe it's a little moldy or rot, or who knows? You want your bins nice and clean. That's just a clean bin starts off the process, right? Um, uh, in other, especially in other crops, cereals, uh, be, uh, rusty grain beetles or whatever, insects, storage insects can be an issue. So some, there's a few different products to condition your bins. Uh, a number of these work and, you know, the thing is quite often you clean your bins out in the middle of summer, maybe or prior to harvest You mm -hmm. treat them, you get them all ready, but you don't really know necessarily that what grain's going to go in what bins. I might depend on the fields, the grading, the conditions, plus that plan gets changed about 17 times, <laughs> depending on how the harvest is going. Um, so if you are using something like malathion to store your, uh, to treat your bins, um, malathion is registered to treat a number of insects but you can't use, can put canola in those bins. Mm -hmm. That malathion residue lingers for a, a long time in those bins. So if you have treated bins with malathion, uh, can't be canola, can be cereals, you know, hopefully put some wheat in there, put whatever in there, but canola can't be in those because we, we do detect residue every once in a while. It, it happens rarely, but if you are treating with malathion, we seem to get to text 
uh, and that gives us grief on the export side of things. So that's probably the biggest watch out. Other than that, clean dry bins. If you do have some potential insect issues or you're concerned about that in a bin that's going to be canola, something like diatomaceous earth uh, effectively controls a number of insects, but also doesn't have the pesticide residue issues that malathion does. So you do have an option there if you need to. Um, but in general, I think good, clean, dry bins uh, sets us off right as far as getting that ready. And then the canola going in, the conditioning is really important. It's just, again, you got two variables you really have to manage, uh, moisture and temperature. The third kind of component that can be a little funny on there is if you're straight cutting canola, it could be that your canola, the seed itself when you run it through is dry. It's not the worst temperature, but you go through some low spots and maybe you have some moisture, some dockage that's greener. Or you have, you know, you don't have a swath canola field. It's been down, it's been cut, is pretty even corner mm -hmm. to corner. Mm -hmm. uh, a straight cut field may not be, especially if you haven't pre-harvested or desiccated. So just to watch out there that, you know, the field average or the bin average might be pretty good. I mean, you know, it's eight degrees or it's 8% moisture, it's 15 degrees. Mm -hmm. But there was that load that was pretty green that went in the middle of it that came out, maybe, maybe it came out in the middle of the, we combined it at three in the afternoon at 30 degrees and it kind of, mm -hmm. the average is good, but just kind of those watch outs that you can get hot spots on bins that the whole sample seems okay, but then something happens. So uh, it can happen with straight cut or swath canola, just straight cut canola, there is a bit more variability to what's going in the bin. So that's a bit of a watch out, but again, conditioning those bins and regularly changing them or regularly checking them. Um, if we do get a, maybe a slower section and you want to be extra careful, turning, pulling a load out of a bin, turning the odd bin, you turn it once, you know, it starts to cool from the outside, but that middle, especially on a big bin, the bigger the bin, that middle can stay quite warm for a long time. So mm -hmm. turning that bin on a cool morning or, a, you know, a cool couple of days, take that warm center out of the bin, flip it around, spread it around, move it up. That makes a big difference in making sure that bin cools a little more evenly. If you have, if you're set up to run fans to condition, we don't need to dry it if it's in pretty close or drying conditioning. Just make sure we're, we don't have, we're not getting surprised by pockets. Um, that's kind of the, the big thing is just regular monitoring, which is tough during harvest. I realize you're busy doing a million other things. And when it's go time, yeah. it's go time. But sometimes yeah. that's when we get uh, unpleasant surprises come October or November. For sure. Ian, we've covered a lot in uh, just a short period of time here. There's been so many great tips. Do you have any other, you know, safe storage, um, you know, advice or, or any other final tips for producers who are just getting into harvest right now and going into the fall and, and looking ahead to post-harvest too? The regular maintenance is good. So if you can't check it, either designate somebody on the farm to be checking the bins or in charge that storage, things like cables or, uh, you know, remote monitoring are good. Just make mm -hmm. sure they actually do an adequate job. You have enough cables in the bin or you're, you know, you're set up that way. Uh, and maybe whenever you're recording what grains going in, what bins or what canola went in there, you know, make a note on this went in a little warmer. Yeah, there's a warm load in there. This is a little bit higher in moisture, maybe, or like, you know, uh, these bins seem good when they go in these bins, you know, I'm going to follow up on these bins and check them. I'm going to, you know, some sort of record keeping. Cause once you get a whole pile of bins of canola, some of them are probably fine. Some of them are not, you know, which are the high risk ones. If you have to triage, which ones to on a morning when you only have an hour or two to turn a couple bins, you know, these three bins are probably the highest priority for this reason or whatever, that kind of stuff that streamlines the process. Cause it is time consuming, checking bins, turning bins, but also at that point, the canola is so close to being a saleable product, right? It's in the bin. We just mm -hmm. talk about in the bin is kind of over that hump. This is that last little hurdle on uh, getting it to the elevator, you know. So that's uh, 
that regular maintenance, you know, double checking your fans are actually working. If you are using aeration to dry uh, bins, uh, wet canola, just make sure you have the right size of fan to your bin or it's fitted right that we're actually moving that moisture throughout the uh, profile and actually out of the bin, not necessarily drying the bottom and moving the moisture to the top. And then we don't have enough airflow that we actually get a really wet kind of crusty top of the bin where it starts heating and the bottom is dry. So some of the things don't change year to year, but if you have had problems in the past or you have some fans, you're hooking up to different bins, just make sure you get enough airflow there that it's working correctly or fill the bin, you know, and if it's not, maybe it's filling the bins only half full while they're really wet or, you know, a number of those things, but staying on top of that. Yeah. And like you said, you've gone through all of the hurdles of the season now that you don't want to say the hard parts all the way over, but the big, the big job is done. Right. So let's finish it up. It's a good reminder. Yeah. Nope. Just that last thing. And it, you know, it's, it doesn't happen very often, but it catches growers by surprise. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it's a mess. What do you do with it? You know, and it was saleable. It was good canola. You know, it's so close. It's just that last little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ian. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the podcast today and for sharing all of your tips and uh, wishing all of our listeners a a really good smooth harvest season and a, a nice dry perfectly temperate crop in the bin for uh, the rest of the year. Thanks Ian for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To hear more great research and perspectives from industry experts, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts or catch up on past episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.